This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. Of course, Tottenham Hotspur have got another game coming up, this time on Sunday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Newcastle United. Spurs are currently fifth in the Premier League table. Newcastle are in seventh. One point separates the two sides. And of course, both teams are going and chasing for those top European places come the end of the season. Uh, to preview this game with me, I'm joined by Jonathan Greenwood from uh, Newcastle fans TV. Jonathan, lovely to have you here. How are you? Yeah, thanks very much for the invite, Chris. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. I think uh, obviously both teams only set rare by a point, so not much in it in terms of the table. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a, a very a very close encounter with the amount of injuries that both teams have, have got at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll certainly come on to that. Um, Jonathan, let's start um, by talking about Newcastle's season so far. Uh, of course, Newcastle was sat in seventh in the Premier League table at the moment, played 15, won eight, drawn two, lost five, got 26 points. The wins have come against Aston Villa, Brentford, Sheffield United, Burnley, Palace, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United. The defeats have come uh, against Manchester City, Liverpool, Brighton, Bournemouth, and uh, most recently on Sunday against Everton, losing 3-0. That was a shock result for, for most uh, general fans of the Premier League. Um, how would you describe your season so far? I think on the whole, it's been a good start of the season. I know people will look and go, well, seventh in the league, you were in the majority of last season. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think for me, it's, 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 it's been a good start of the season. It's been a strong start, especially with the fact that we're still in every single competition and we've got 12 or 13 injuries. Or I, think, I think it was 12 injuries after Nick Pope's injury on, a, on, on, a, on a last Saturday against Manchester United. Jamal Sells has got a bit of a slight knock, so could that be lucky or unlucky number 13? We'll see how that goes in terms of either a Tottenham or a Newcastle persuasion. But on the whole, very solid. We've still got a chance of going, going through the Champions League. And you know we're still in a good place. You know, we're only a point off fifth. That could get you a Champions League place. So... Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not worried, but we could do with a few players uh, coming back to the squad. 
what's it like being back uh, playing Champions League football, Jonathan? Because, uh, you know, every single time I come to St. James's Park, I always think like a huge club, massive club, fantastic fan base. And, uh, you know, very similar to Spurs, that both teams are, are big clubs, but haven't had much success in recent seasons and, and recent years. Yeah, I think I think you could you could say obviously before Spurs had their a, a good uh, revival under Pochettino that there were two sleeping giants if you like just at different stages of, of of history. But for Newcastle being in the Champions League has been absolutely incredible. No one could have predicted it a couple of years ago. Um, it, it's just been absolutely magical if you like. And I know there's obviously a lot of uh, talking points about the ownership model, which I'm I'm assuming you may ask about, but. In terms of just watching Newcastle in the Champions League, that PSG game at St James's Park, the noise, particularly when Almiron scored the first and Shah scored the fourth, I don't think I've ever heard noise in a football stadium ever like that before. You know, I've been very lucky to see us get a point at AC Milan where we did very well to get a point that day. We were often against Dortmund, but Dortmund, were, you know, we're just a, we're just a bit too good for us on the day. But you know, I didn't do the Paris game, but we were about a minute away from getting in a historic win in Paris and. The decision for the yeah. penalty was um, contentious, if we're being polite, on a Saturday morning. So yeah, it's um, it's it, it's been on the whole, apart from the the away game against Dortmund, you couldn't really have asked for much more from the players, and particularly the fact that when we did play Dortmund, we just had so many injuries. When you look at the bench, I think the bench that day, I think we only had Lewis Hall and Paul Dummett that were in terms of outfield players that could actually make a difference coming off the bench. Um, and maybe Tina Livermento, I think, uh, as well. So there was only three players that really could do something. And you normally see Champions League benches with normally about a dozen players. So uh, yeah, it was it's been a bit it was a bit of a contrast, but on the whole, unbelievable experience. Hopefully, we could beat AC Milan on Wednesday after hopefully getting a good result against your lot tomorrow. Jonathan, what have you made of uh, Tottenham so far this season? Because, of course, we were sat top of the Premier League table, unbeaten in the first 10. But in the last five games, of course, we've got a draw away at Manchester City uh, coming back in that game. But four defeats in our last five. What have you made of Spurs? And, of course, you're probably, Newcastle fans are probably most understandable about injuries because you've got so many injuries yourself. But injuries have virtually killed us these past few matches. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Chris. I, I don't know really. Don't really know what to make of Spurs, if I'm honest. As a as a big football fan, big Premier League fan, when when Harry Kane leaves at the start of the season, I'm thinking, well, that's thirty goals in all competitions gone, minimum. You know, you know, and that's and that's tough for any club, not just Tottenham. You know, but we have the same with with, New, with Newcastle. Someone's putting thirty goals in the back of there. That's a great head start on every mm. single club. I do watch I do watch a bit of Scottish football, so I, I, I've kept an eye on Ange Postacoglu. I, I do like his approach. I think his approach and his methods is going to keep a lot of fans on side, particularly Spurs fans as well, because that even though Conte, Mourinho, um, you know, managers like that who have come in, yes, probably bigger in name and stature, but the football they were producing wasn't the greatest, particularly yeah. Conte as well towards the end. It, it wasn't good. And you look at Pochettino, he will just go, look, I want to win every single game and I'll do it my way, whether I like it or not. I think the problem is the Premier League is just so ruthless. If you go gung-ho and it is very much like a basketball game, sometimes it will work and you'll do well for the first time. And then the last five when you play teams who just have that little bit of luck and, you know, can take their chances and can almost, you know, deal with what Spurs are offering, it's going to be very difficult. I think the Aston Villa game... I think it was probably the the most. Um, I think the, probably the, the the game where you can kind of learn the most from what Ange Postecoglou is trying to do because you could have been two or three and up at half time, 
But that goal just before half time gives Villa the confidence. And then the second half, they take the chance and they kind of, you know, nullify your attack going forward. They had almost like six behind the six, uh, six defenders, if you like. And then the four just tucked in. So it was very, very difficult for Spurs to break through. In terms of what Spurs could do from for this season, what would be deemed as a success? Champions League, you've got to say it's a possibility. Of course, it's a possibility. But I think the FA Cup could be something that Spurs should really concentrate on. You've got no European football. Like the League Cup against Fulham, and you've got to be on penalties, so that can happen. But focus on winning a cup and get that monkey off your back, if you like. And then with, with winning the FA Cup, that could help, that could, like, that, pardon the pun, spur you on for future success. But I think the bread and butter, I think what the top of the football club will be thinking is, can we get back into European competition? And I think that has to be the minimum for a club for the size of Spurs is to be back in European competition. And they'll certainly be in contention for all that. Jonathan, what are you expecting from the game on Sunday? Uh, because, of course, both teams have major injury problems. And let me just read some some facts to you here. Newcastle have won 11 Premier League matches away to Tottenham, a total they have only matched against West Ham. The Magpies scored eight goals versus Spurs last season, winning 2-1 away in October 2022 and 6-1 at home in April. Uh, both sides have scored in each of their previous seven league fixtures, which have produced an average of 4.43 goals per game. And the 56 Premier League matches between these sides have yielded 177 goals, an average of 3.16 per game, the highest figure of any fixture played at least 50 times in the division. There is certainly goals in this fixture, isn't there? There's so many goals. I think that there's been so many great games over the years. I think, obviously... Everyone will remember the 6-1 last season at St. James's Park. I'm sure you remember it well, Chris. Um, we don't want to remember it. <laughs> the fans fair, walked out the stadium after 20 minutes. <laughs> I, think we, I think there was a few people at King's Cross after 20, 25 minutes. I couldn't believe what they were yeah. saying. But no, in, all, in, all, in all seriousness, um, in, in that respect, though, I think that's probably the best thing that ever happened to Spurs. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because... If that wasn't a wake-up call for the whole club to have a complete reset for Tottenham, it needed a performance like that. Two teams that were battling out for the Champions League at the time, one team going somewhere, the other team is kind of stuck in a little bit of limbo. I, I think Spurs fans will probably not admit it now, but I think they'll look back as, as soon as Pasta Cogba maybe has a full season under his belt and look at where they were this time last year. They can go, well, actually, that might have been the best thing that ever happened to us. But going back onto the actual, in terms of goals and you know, there's been so many goals. I've, I've been at the, I've been at Tottenham a few times over the years, and you know, I've never seen a nil-nil. <laughs> I can't remember the last time there has been a nil-nil. But uh, yeah, but the thing is, it, even even going to this game tomorrow, you, you just know with an Ange Postecoglou side and an Eddie Howe side, it is not going to end nil-nil because they both want to win. They're both going to go out and attack, with regardless of the injuries that both teams have. You know, but they are. I'd be absolutely amazed. Like, I'd love to know the odds for a nil-nil. I'd love to know the odds because I just, I just can't see it happening at all. Jonathan, what have you made of the appointment of Ange Postecoglou? Because, um, of course, we've gone through many managers in recent seasons. Of course, Pochettino took to, took us to a Champions League final in 2019. Of course, the club made that change to appoint Jose Mourinho. Then, uh, of course. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo, Antonio Conte, uh, Stellini took over for a little bit during that game uh, last season in April uh, at Newcastle. And uh, Ryan Mason's helped us out a couple of times as well. From an outsider looking in at Spurs, are you surprised that Spurs haven't won a trophy in 15 years and uh, and, and have pushed on in, in, in that next level? Yeah, I am a little bit surprised. I think when you look at the players that you've had, 
the managers that you've had, I'm absolutely surprised that you haven't managed to get over the line. You know, Champions League final, FA Cup semi-finals, League Cup final, you know, second in the Premier League. You can't have got much closer. You know, you can't have got much closer. And you can look back all these times thinking, oh, brilliant, brilliant memories. But it's a bit like Newcastle, unless you've got that trophy, you can't really say, oh, it was a genuine success. There was good performances, of course they have. I, you know, especially under Pochettino, you know, you were beating teams left, right and centre. And it wasn't a surprise that you were beating teams like Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal. You know, it, it wasn't a surprise. It was it expected. Now it's, at the minute with Postacoglu, it's, he's kind of having to prove himself again. And this is where he kind of thinks, I think Spurs are kind of going two steps back to, to go forward, if you like, and trying to just reset everything within the football club. But I, I do think with time, he can do well. I think he'll need a couple more transfer windows. I think, the, like I say, the fact that he didn't have Kane at the start of the, at the at pretty much the day before the, the, the Premier League started and then mm. your top after 10 games just shows how, I think, how good he was with the players that he has. But I think the one, there's two players really that have really impressed me for Spurs who are both obviously injured and brilliant from a Newcastle point of view is obviously Mickey van der Veen and, and James Madison because they just, they just make your team so much stronger. I think van der Veen such an underrated centre-half at times. Madison just ticks. He just keeps everything ticking and nose between Tottenham and Newcastle for a long time to see where James Madison would end up. Um, but he's just he's just flourished at Tottenham. He really, really has. And it's a big loss for Tottenham. A big, big loss. I think he's not back to the new year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Spurs cope without without them. But I think I think Postacoglu, when he was at Celtic, had a pressure to win the league. And that is the only pressure that you have. You finish above Rangers, you win the league. If Rangers finish above Celtic, you win the league. That is their pressure. And it's a different sort of pressure at Tottenham in the sense that maybe you're not expected to win every week, but what you are expected to do is to get into the, the top ends of the, of the Premier League table. And that is a must. That is a must for the size of, for the size of Spurs. And at the minute, you've got to say after 15 games, you know, fifth in the league, a couple of points off the Champions League, some good results. Yes, a couple of disappointing ones, but there's something to work with. As you mentioned earlier about the FA Cup, um, you know, Spurs last won the FA Cup um, in 1991, which is a, an amazing stat. And everyone I talk to, everyone wants to, uh, you know, the, the club to take the FA Cup seriously. And I hope that Ange Postecoglou does and, and we do go far in that competition. Um, talking about, um, you, you mentioned your owners earlier on. Um, are you surprised that you haven't spent more money and really gone for it in transfer windows? Because I think, most teams, you know, you know, most fans, including myself, thought that Newcastle would spend a lot, lot more in the previous transfer windows. Do you expect them to spend big in January and next summer and really push on to, you know, at what point do Newcastle start competing for the Premier League with the money that you've got? I don't, in terms of the latter part of your question, Chris, I don't think we're a million miles away. I think it may be maybe two years away. I think the, the, in terms of the, going back to the first part of the question with the spending itself, it was different types of spending in terms of what we needed at the particular times. When we first got taken over, it was just spend to get the players in that will keep the Premier League, uh, keep us up in the Premier League and then yeah. we'll do spending around it to make us stronger. I think what Newcastle were very clever at, they built a spine of the team within the first two transfer windows. They got the number one choice goalkeeper in and Nick Pope. They got the number one choice centre-half and Sven Botman. They've got the number one choice mid-centre midfielder in Bruno Gimmeresh, and they've got the number one centre forward that they wanted in Alexander Izak. Now, all four of those players have been a success for Newcastle, and that is from 
uh, people in higher positions looking what the, what we need at the time and going right what can we spend and what should we spend as well because there was some ridiculous prices for a lot of players um especially in the first couple of transfer windows but i think now now that's calmed down a little bit and there's no that that newcastle tax i think the club maybe will maybe spend a little bit more in certain areas but i think the biggest reminder more than anything if you do something wrong is everton and getting a minus 10 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Point deduction. And I think Newcastle, even in the summer, were quite reluctant to go massively overboard because even though, yes, they had Champions League money, that Champions League money is not really going to get spent until the following season anyway. So it was kind of almost planning for what you're going to do. In the summer, Newcastle were saying we're only going to spend around about 80 to 100 million at the very, very most. And they did. They spent 50, well, maybe about the 100 million mark. They spent 55 million on Sandro Tonali, spent money on Harvey Barnes, and they bought in Tina Livermento, who's been absolutely outstanding so far, a loan signing with Lewis Hall. And that's pretty much been about it for Newcastle. There hasn't been much more activity. But I think what you will see from maybe next summer is a few players leaving the club that are out of contract and then bringing in uh, some more players when, when we can actually spend a little bit more money. But um, I, I can't be, I, I've been so impressed with how Newcastle have dealt with the transfer window. I would say 90% of the players they've bought in have been a success. And that's because you've got the right people doing the right jobs in a football club. You know, you look at Manchester United, for example, they're a bit of a mess. Don't know who, you know, don't know what's happening in terms of players going in and when they bring a player and they don't seem to hit it off. Newcastle's been completely opposite and it's been fantastic to see. Would you say then, Jonathan, that every fan is on board with the new owners and, and that, that connection is back amongst the fans with the owners, the manager and the players? Um, I, I would say it's around about that 98% mark. I think I, 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 I think there will be a few fans and there is, and I know a couple of fans that will never be on board with the owners that we have for, for obvious reasons and obviously the allegations that they face. Um all I can really say is that I support the football club. I don't support, I didn't support Mike Ashley in Sports Direct. I don't support yeah. this ownership, but I support Newcastle. And the Newcastle doing well on the football pitch is the most important thing. As long as they're doing well on the pitch and they're performing well enough off the pitch in terms of being no financial worries, that's, that's, I'm fine with that personally. Um, but yeah, the spirit in the football club has just, it's just come back. And, you know, two years ago or just over two years ago, it was, it was it was just really really difficult to kind of get on board. It was Steve Bruce's manager, and nothing against Steve Bruce, but he just he just wasn't the manager that we we needed. He picked up some good results along the way, but for the vast majority of it, it wasn't it wasn't great to watch. The players that we had, we just couldn't seem to get the best out of them at the time. And that the, the Mike Ashley era was like a dark cloud, particularly over the last maybe five or six years of that ownership. Rafa Benitez tried to do something, wasn't allowed to, left and. 
Um, I think the, like the famous quote from Steve Bruce is, I'll just make sure that the club's ticking along. That's not what a football club's about. If you want a business, yeah, yeah a business can tick along. That's absolutely fine. A football club, you need to have a bit of hope, a bit of ambition. And you could say that the Spurs of that was Cogler coming in. He's giving you that hope to think, well, actually, can we win the FA Cup this year? Can we get into the Champions League? Can we do well? Um, and, that, and that's what we were missing out on. But yeah, the, the, the fan, like I say, you go to Newcastle now, Chris, and it's just, it's just a party all the time. Like, you know, people will take days off work. We'll take days off work on Wednesday for this AC Milan match. You know, they'll be at the pubs at 12, 1 o'clock. Just in soaking the atmosphere, having a few, having a few drinks, and then you know, win, lose, or draw. We're not really, win, lose, or draw doesn't really matter really because we, we weren't expected to go much, much further than the group stage when the group came out. So, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's just amazing that the city's just absolutely bouncing at the minute. You, you know, you can't buy a ticket for love of the money. We, we need a bigger ground, but you know, when the people that are on the ground and I'm one of them, I'm very fortunate because it is, yeah, it's the hottest ticket in tune, if you like. That's nice to hear because, uh, of course, the atmosphere at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has changed as well. I know, obviously, it's been hard these last few weeks losing these games, but everyone can see what Ange Postacoglu is doing and the style of football is completely different to what we've seen in recent seasons. Um, talking about the team who's ahead of this game, Ange Postacoglu said in his presser yesterday about Hunmin Son, we'll see how Son he is. Uh, he will have a late fitness test. Uh, he was a bit sore after the game against West Ham. Spurs, um, of course, are still without Benton Kerr, Perisic, Madison, Van der Ven, Sessegnon, Solomon, Whiteman and Eric Dyer. Uh, and Newcastle boss Eddie Howe is optimistic that Lascelles will be fit despite limping off in the closing stages of the, uh, of the defeat against Everton. Um, and Newcastle are likely to be without a dozen players, including goalkeeper Nick Pope who could be sidelined until April. Um, Jonathan, just um, briefly tell me about all of the players that you've got out injured and and, and are they key players that are out injured that, that would get into your starting eleven? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Sven Botman being one, I think he's on our Fabian Scher's probably been our best centre half this season because he's played the most games and arguably could have been our, probably our best centre half last season, but Sven Botman is just a level above Jamal Lascelles, Emil Kraft and Paul Dummett at this moment in time. Um, midfield, we're missing Sandro Tonali for the for obvious reasons of the betting yeah. controversy. Uh, but we're missing Joe Willock, the former Arsenal man. Sean Longstaff has been absolutely outstanding since Eddie Howe's walked through the door. Um, Callum Wilson, who, you know, loads of goals, done really well for Newcastle. Harvey Barnes, haven't really seen much of but a proven Premier League player. The list goes on, Chris. You know, I could probably cry you a river with all the players that you have, have injured. But I would say, not necessarily to start, but more... We just need more options off the bench. Like Eddie Howe's played the same starting eleven for the vast majority of games. I think more than 80 minutes for the last four games. And we've played Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United, Chelsea and Everton. Like, it's that's that's a difficult running at the best of times. And, you know, the Everton result was disappointing, but was it really surprising with the amount of injuries that we've had? And with teams like Everton only playing one game a week, you're not surprised when these results happen from obviously from a Newcastle point of view, from maybe the wider the wider um, fan bases of other clubs that might be a little bit different. But yeah, we need players back just to kind of get the bench a little bit stronger as well. But um, yeah, Nick Pope being out a bit of a blow. We've got Dubravka who will come in, who I think just needs a couple of games to kind of settle down. But um, in terms of getting used to how Newcastle plays, only played two games in 18 months. But yeah, we need uh, we need players back as soon as possible. Jonathan, who should the Spurs players look at? Uh, sorry, who should the Spurs fans look out for on Sunday in the Newcastle team? Who are going to be your key players ahead of this game? Um, I have to be honest. I would say Bruno Guimaraes sticks out like a sore thumb. If I'm honest, 
He just he, when we don't have him in the team, we don't win games. When we do have him in the team, we win games more more than uh, more than we lose. And it's just his, his record really is absolutely outstanding when he's when he plays in Newcastle. He, I think he's only lost one home game or in the Premier League since he arrived at Newcastle or two home games in the Premier League. That he's been here nearly two, just over being in nearly two years. That just shows how good of a player he's been, really. Um, he, 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 if you stop Bruno Guimaraes at Newcastle, it's it, it certainly, I wouldn't say you're guaranteed to win the game, but you, you make Newcastle, it's tough for Newcastle to kind of keep going. You know, Bruno Guimaraes, Joe Linton and the young lad, Lewis Miley, who's just coming out of nowhere, really. That's been our set of midfielder for the last few games and it's worked really, really well, apart from maybe the last 20 minutes against Everton where we kind of capitulated. Um, he, he, keeps, he keeps everything ticking. Alexander Rizak's very quiet, but he scores goals. He links up well, but generally speaking, he doesn't have the busiest games, but he'll score a goal. It'll a bit like, you know, over the years with Shearer, maybe sharing him from a Tottenham perspective. Didn't maybe didn't do a lot, but you'd see his name in the paper the following day. And it's just a case that that's what Isaac's trying to do at the minute. Um but yeah, they're they're probably the two outstanding players in in this team. Anthony Gordon's been electric as well. Um mm. but again, it's it's just again, it's just how are they fatigued? Are they not? It just depends. I think the only good thing is because Tottenham are in a similar situation, it might actually benefit Newcastle in that way. But who knows? Who absolutely knows? I think the Sun's missing for Spurs. That's a big, big miss because he he is obviously at the minute because there's no Madison. I, I think he's the outstanding player. He is your outstanding player. I, I should say he was brilliant against Manchester City. I thought he was outstanding. It was a great game to watch as well last week. So yeah, be interesting to see what happens. John, apart from Hudmin Son, who you mentioned there, and the players that are going to be fit and could possibly play in the game, who do you fear as a Newcastle fan? What, what Spurs players do you fear? <laughs> to be honest, the players I fear are the ones that are missing. The likes of your Benton Kers, if you make your yeah. events, um, potentially Hudmin Son. For, for me, um, when I look at Spurs, Kulazewski's always been a player, I think, you can you can see that there's a, a player in there. I think he just needs to be a little bit more consistent, which I think Postacoglu potentially could do that. Um, Basuma, I, I like Basuma, but I think he probably should be giving you more for the amount of money you paid for him. If I'm honest, um, Romero is a he's got a, he's got a, he's got he's got a lot of aggression, but if you could just like tame it down just ever so slightly, yeah, he'll be absolutely fine. But you just need to tame it down ever so slightly. But maybe that's just the South American in him if you like um, but I, I, I do look at that defence and I think you're going to get chances just because you're missing the, obviously the players that you have like you're playing a, I think you played Emerson Royale centre half and, yeah. like yeah. and I'm looking at that I'm thinking well I'll be, if I'm Alexander Isak I'm licking my lips because he's not a natural centre half if you can get him on the wrong side there's something that you, there's something that you can gain from there but um, if I had to pick out of the players that we know are definitely fit probably Kulazewski um He'd be the one that I think he's a probably outstanding talent out of the team so far. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Jonathan, in this game, uh, it'll be refereed by Chris Kavanagh. The fourth official will be Tom Brammel and VAR will be Peter Banks. What's VAR been like for Newcastle United this season? Are you a fan of VAR? I'm a fan of it. I'm just not a fan of the people that operate it, if I'm honest. I just, I just, I just feel like they're so arrogant towards the, the public about VAR in general. I really do. They feel like it's their own baby and you have to, they're the only ones that can play with their own like PlayStation, if you like. And, and the, the technology is there to improve the game. But I think, I th it might be imposter cognitive. It's like it's re-refereeing the game. You don't re-referee yeah. a game of football. You know, if it was a blatant and obvious error, like let's just say, for example, at, like on Sunday, Kulazewski is two yards offside 
and Spurs score. That's a blatant error. And if they haven't missed, and if they've missed it, then that's why VAR's there. But if a ball gets played in, a, like a corner gets played in, and four or five people are trying to head the ball, and it heads, heads off someone, it flicks their arm, like ever so slightly, and nobody notices it, no one's claiming it, that's not an obvious error. And you've seen so many times this season, not just yeah. Newcastle, not just Tottenham, every club's had the wrong end of it this season. We've had the probably the biggest one was in the Champions League, and normally in the Champions League, it's actually done pretty well. You know, they've got the semi-automated offsides, which have been, I don't understand why it's not there in the Premier League. Um, it, it just seems to be clear as mud, more than anything, where the VAR, when they use the offside, it just seems to be so, I just don't think it looks definitive, if I'm honest. But for me, it's just, it just needs to be operated better. You just need people that actually train how to do it. Let the referees referee the game and actually mm. bring in VAR officials that actually can be trained to do VAR. Because if you've got a referee refereeing a game on Saturday and then being a VAR, VAR on Sunday, like mentally you're going to be tired. Mentally, that's yeah. just normal, that's just natural. And I don't think it's fair on the clubs because look, you know, just look at the latest Premier League TV deal, £6.7 billion. It's a billion dollar industry and this is just in, and this is just in the UK alone. It needs, to be, it needs to be treated like a big boy's business and at the minute it's a Mickey Mouse. Jonathan, lastly, um, a couple of predictions. Um, who would you predict to finish in the top four? Um, my top four is Manchester City still win the league for me. I think Arsenal will probably bottle it. Um, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you probably will. Um, <laughs> the only thing I will say, a caveat that, though, buying Declan Rice is going to get them closer. But I don't, still don't think they'll win it. Um, I agree, Manchester, yeah. City, Manchester City first. Um, I think Arsenal have just about finished second over Liverpool. I think it'll be very close. I don't think it'll be much in it at all. I just think the Europa League might be a bit of a killer for Liverpool. So I'll go Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. And I said Newcastle in, in August, and I'll say Newcastle again, because I think we'll have the players back. We might have less competitions to be in in, in January, and if we can get on a bit of a run and have a bit more players to, to use and utilise, I think we can get in the top four. But Aston Villa have been absolutely outstanding. Man United is average, but are up there. Tottenham are starting well. I think it'll be one of one of us four, but um, we need Villa to get an injury for, for Watkins or Diaby or something like that, and that'll give us a bit of a chance. But uh, yeah, I'll say Newcastle just maybe with a little bit of bias. Where do you think Spurs will finish? Sixth. I think. It, I don't think there'll be a lot of points in it. I just think. I just think with Spurs, it's it, it, it's an interesting because they could finish fourth. They could because they've got like I say, you're playing one game a week. I, I just think, I just think six. I just think it's just going to be it's just maybe too too much to learn, too much too quick, maybe for Costa Coglu and working out the Premier League. But mm. do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if he finished fourth. But if I'm putting my neck on the line, I'd probably go Newcastle fourth, Villa fifth, Spurs sixth, Man United seventh. Because I just don't rate Man United at all. They were absolutely bang average at best against us last week. I just don't know how they could pick up results because. They literally just they came to St James's Park last week, and I've never felt so confident going into the game, and they were absolutely rubbish. So I'll say Spurs to finish six, but I'm not putting any money on it. We, we all knew as Spurs fans, Jonathan, sitting top of the league, unbeaten after ten games. We all knew one or two injuries would then derail us, and of course it has. And uh, that Chelsea game has has been a disaster. Um, but you wouldn't have, yeah. you wouldn't have got the Man City press and drew three three last season. That, that's, that shows, not. Yeah. And that shows where the club's gone. That shows yeah. where's the club, where the club's gone. You know, yeah. you never thought Spurs were out of that game on Sunday, where you know that was a Conte or a Mourinho. They played ten behind the ball, and if it was one 0 yeah. kind of knew it was game over there and then. 
even at 2-1 or at 3-2, you knew Spurs had a chance and that just shows the improvement. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, Jonathan, final question uh, for you. Um, I expect Spurs to make one change. Uh, Saar to come in for Hoybier and hopefully Hunmin Son is fit and available for this game. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs win. Um, hopeful. Um, Jonathan, what's your predicted lineup and your score prediction? Um, from what we're hearing, there's not going to be many changes. We might have a few, a couple of players back on the bench, but I think it'll be the same 11. So Dubravka, Trippier, former Tottenham player, done exceptionally well, apart from Thursday, I may add. Um, Cher, Lascelles and Livermento, Bruno Gimmeres, Joe Linton, Lewis Miley, Miggy Almiron, Isaac and Gordon. Um, maybe Callum Wilson on the bench, maybe Joe Willick maybe on the bench and maybe Sean Longstaff maybe on the bench, but late fitness tests as well. Um, in terms of her prediction, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go 2-1 away win. I think I think there'll definitely be goals. Um, I, I, I think if Newcastle can score first, I think that makes things a little bit easier. I just think Newcastle are just better defensively. And I just think that's why we'll just about edge it. Um, but I'd, t- I'd probably take a point right now just because of the injuries. And I don't know what the team's going to be. But if the team's a little bit stronger on the bench, then maybe my mind will change about this moment in time as a recording. Newcastle to nick it 2-1. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think, no and all, probably you'll get an injury and we'll get a bad injury as well. And so, Oh, yeah, no. No, no more injuries, please. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, 2-1 away win, why not? Well, hopefully it'll be a truly entertaining game like there have been in recent seasons, uh, Spurs-Newcastle. Jonathan, finally, uh, tell everyone about Newcastle Fans TV, uh, what sort of content you're putting out at the moment, what sort of content you will be putting out in the future and uh, how did you get involved with Newcastle Fans TV? Yeah, so Newcastle Fans TV, we've got a YouTube channel, we've got a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. There's probably more. Lee will probably tell me off, but I can't can't think of the top of my head. But um, at the moment, because there's been so many games, because we're just speaking off camera, there's a game every three days. We're just basically filming match content. We're yeah. really, we're, literally by the time we have, we're finishing, it's the next day, it's another day. And then we've got the, we've got the game. So literally, if you want all the best Newcastle United match content, it's Newcastle Fans TV. Um, it's NFTV on Twitter. And then the Twitter handles are underneath as well. So uh, yeah, that's probably the best place to find us. I'm at Lee's at the game tomorrow. Um, he's making a trip down from Newcastle to London to, uh, tomorrow morning. So yeah, hopefully it's a good trip for him. But uh, yeah, it's just basically a minute until Boxing Day wrap, just at every game, just getting on with it. And then hopefully we'll get a bit of a break after the new year. We'll have a few more videos out, a few more interviews out as well. Jonathan, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, apart from tomorrow afternoon, good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again very soon uh, when, of course, the reverse fixture comes around. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you after the game on Sunday. Come on, you Spurs. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 